Let's take a moment and pray. Father, in the name of Jesus, oh, we bless you tonight. Bless your name. Thank you for your presence. Lord, speak to our hearts. Give us those things that we lack, things that we need to be stirred up about. Lord, we open ourselves to you. and Thank you for your presence, for the inspiration of your word. You uncover and unveil truth for our hearts that we may be equipped and fit for the master's use. In Jesus' name. Amen. Well, Philippians chapter 2, let's begin reading in verse 12. Philippians 2, 12. Therefore, my beloved, as you have always obeyed, not as in my presence only, but now much more in my absence, work out your own salvation with fear and trembling. What are we supposed to do? Work out our own salvation with fear and trembling. Whose salvation? Our salvation. In other words, it's something that we possess. He's writing to uh, a church here, writing to believers, to saved people. They've already obtained salvation. He says, listen you guys now, I want you to work that out. How many know this is foundational, but... It helps some people at the same time. That doesn't mean work for your salvation. All right. Salvation is something they already possessed. How many understand that we don't get salvation or we don't get eternal life when we die? We get eternal life the moment we accept Jesus. We, it is a present tense possession of every believer. We already have eternal life all right there are some uh, there are some religions out there that will that actually believe that when they die they'll get eternal life they're kind of uh, they call themselves Christians but they're not really in the true sense of the word but they believe when they die they'll get eternal life well <laughs> it's too late to get eternal life when you die we actually by receiving the Lord and being born again possess eternal life the very moment that we're saved okay salvation belongs to all of these believers so he said i want you to take your salvation and i want you to work it out okay in other words the lord finishes the job in us spiritually but then he does put it in our hands and he says now i want you to do something with your salvation do something with it. It's not, it should never be viewed in our lives as the end of the road, but rather the beginning. Kind of like when someone graduates from high school or college. How many know what they call those ceremonies? They call that commencement, right? What, what is that? That's the end of the road, right? Actually, just the opposite. It means it's the beginning, Okay, it's the start of something. They're just getting started after they finished. When we receive the Lord and we're changed in a moment on the inside, that work is complete. The Lord does it all. We've got diploma in hand. Why? So we can go to work. All right. The college student gets a degree, hopefully so they can go get a job. <laughs> and they can go do something with the knowledge, with the things they received in school. And we are supposed to go do something with the salvation that we receive by faith. 
So our salvation is the beginning point, but now we're told to work it out. Actually, that word there, work out, means to carry out to the goal, to carry to its ultimate conclusion. It means to carry out to the goal, carry out to its ultimate conclusion. And so there is already built in to what we receive from the Lord, a, there's a finish line to it, there's a finality to it that the Lord puts out there in front of us. And he said, you've got this salvation now, now get to the end of that. Work it out all the way to its conclusion, all the way till it's completely finished. That's our job. Okay, some people don't know that the Lord gave them something and expects them to do something with it, expects them to do something with it, but we are to work out this salvation, he said, with fear and trembling, all right? They were basically uh, exhorted in, in this book to carry their salvation to its ultimate conclusion. What is that? It's probably, we could say, it's being Christ-like. Doesn't the scripture tell us that, that in, in 1 John that those who've received him ought to walk just like he walked? It, it, do you know of that? If you, I don't want you just to nod if you're not sure. Yep. Okay, okay, yes, yes. Since you're kind of pressuring me, amen. Uh, <laughs> that's not really the kind of pressure we want in here. Uh, I can make you say amen doesn't mean you believe it. Uh, so let's, let's find it real quick. First John. First John. Two and verse six. He who says he abides in him ought himself also to walk just as he walked. Amen. Isn't that the word? That's a, that's, that, that's a goal for all of us. I, I don't see most of the time that the moment a person receives the Lord, that they instantly have a walk that's completely Christ-like. Spiritually, they are exactly Christ-like, but their walk needs to catch up to it. So that's our goal. It's what Paul was exhorting the Philippians to do here. They needed to carry this thing out to its ultimate conclusion. Let me read this verse to you from the Amplified Bible. If you have one, then you see there's some good stuff in there. Everyone else, listen very, very close. Therefore, my dear ones, as you have always obeyed my suggestions, so now not only with the enthusiasm you would show in my presence, but much more because I am absent, work out, cultivate, carry out to the goal, and fully complete your own salvation with reverence and awe and trembling, self-distrust with serious caution, tenderness of conscience, watchful against temptation, timidly shrinking from whatever might offend God, and discredit the name of Christ. That would be another way to say, work out your salvation (laughs) with fear and trembling, all right? It's to be a real serious sober, humbling attitude that we are to take, that we recognize that our lives are representations of, of the life of God and who Jesus really is. And so we've got to get this salvation out of the inside 
to the outside. All right? You're saved, and that is all beneficial to you. But our salvation is supposed to benefit somebody else. And my salvation does not benefit you if I just keep it on the inside. It must affect my, my actions, my words, my behavior, everything I do. My salvation must affect that for me to do what he's coming up talking about here in a little bit. Verse 13, it said, For it is God who works in you both to will and to do for his good pleasure. Notice where does God work? He says, in you to will and to do for his good pleasure. This shows us a couple things. First of all, it, it, it shows us that it's God who works in us. He gives us the desire. He gives us the ability for us to work out our salvation. Okay, notice again. God works in us to will and give us the ability, the desire, so that we can work out our salvation. Someone might wonder, is it God who works? Or is it us who works? Yes. This is a very, very powerful truth that believers, if they miss either part of this, they end up unbalanced. In other words, God does it all. It's all about if God wants me to be something, He can make me whatever He wants to make me. He can do whatever He wants to do. He's God, and after all, what He says goes. And then the other side, people want to do right, and so they get in the flesh, and it's all about their ability. They're trying their hardest. They're giving it their best shot. And they have not learned that it is God who works in them to do it. To want to do it and to do it. So when I'm doing it, it's not just me who is doing it. It's God who is doing it while I'm doing it. I'm doing it, but it's, it's God working in me. And that might sound even simple to some, but that's a big key to success. Hopefully we've discovered that when we do give things our best shot, we're going to fall short of the glory of God. But when it's us working and it's Him, where it's no longer I that live, as Paul said, but Christ who lives in me, that everything I do, it's not just me doing it, it's God in me doing it. But I've still got to do it. But I've got to have God in me doing it. There can't be a a separation here. Where, okay, God's doing it now. Okay, I'm doing it now. No! It's God and I doing it. (laughs) Who's doing it? I am. Who? God is. I thought he said you were. Yeah, yeah. He is. (laughs) It almost needs to be so intertwined that we can't explain it. Say, did you do that? Yeah, God did. God did or you did? Yes. (laughs) Well, which one? I'm not sure. I think I did it. But no, God did it. 
there is a place where we get and there's not such a separation. Amen. It's not so much, well, man, have you, were, did, you, did you go to that church service? God really moved. Well, how did God move? You know typically what it is? Well, people moved. Yeah, God moved, moved them, but they moved. They said, they did, they spoke, they whatever. And then we go away saying, and it's not wrong, God moved. There are many times I took a big step of faith and great things happened. Oh, it was wonderful. And I walked away saying, God moved. Did he? Yes. I'll tell you, if I was by myself, nothing would have happened. But here's the other side. Don't be religious on me now. If God was by himself, wouldn't have happened either. Okay? God's just really not doing it without us. Otherwise, a whole lot would be getting done. If God were just independently, he can do it. But it is not his method. It's not what he set up, uh, how he would work in the earth. He always uses a person, so he works in us to will and to do. He gives us the want to. The very reason that we're here is because God wanted to do something. The very reason you said yes to the Lord is because God wanted you to want Him. Jesus said, no one comes to the Father except that He draw them. And we felt that pull. We felt that tug and we responded and we ended up saying, God saved me. Who did, who did? But you had to pray the prayer. I know. So I just can't explain it. <laughs> who was? Yes, it was us. <laughs> Amen. So many things work like that. The Spirit of God just does things with people. He doesn't do them apart from us. In fact, uh, I was in a meeting one time with some other ministers in town, and one of the guys, he actually wasn't a pastor that started saying this, but one of the guys in the meetings, he had this great revelation uh, that he said, I've come to figure out that it's God who does it, and we help him. And I thought, whatever. I mean, no, the Bible does not teach that. I mean, he felt excited about this revelation he got. Uh, but we're supposed to judge things, aren't we? The Bible doesn't teach that God does it and we help. The Bible teaches that we do and He helps. And even when we do, there's a reason why we did it. It was because of God. He worked in us to will and to do. So how do we work out our salvation? It's God in us that works. Amen. I feel like I can just go around in a circle and say the same thing about a hundred times. <laughs> and never get tired. <laughs> And then I could go back and say it again the other way. And woo! <laughs> it's good stuff. Amen. We do have a free will. However, God does work on us to help us to want the right things. Okay? He doesn't force our hand. But he works from the inside out to convince us of truth and righteousness. You know, someone asked me recently about a scripture. Look, Hold your finger there. We'll come back to Philippians. Go to Proverbs 21. Proverbs 21, in light of elections and world leaders, 
and some things that have taken place in our country. Someone asked me about this scripture, Proverbs 21 and verse 1. It says, The king's heart is in the hand of the Lord. Like the rivers of water, he turns it wherever he wishes. And sometimes people have trouble with that. And, and, and they, they will use a scripture like that to basically say, you know, it doesn't really matter who's running countries, who's in charge, who's president, who's prime minister, who's whatever in a different country. Because ultimately, God does whatever he wants to do with them anyway. And he, you know, makes them do whatever he wants them to do. Uh, he, you know, he, because right there, Proverbs 21. Well, first of all... Uh, we don't judge the word or interpret the word by experience. However, let's just take a moment to think. I think God wants us to think. Let's look around the globe today or throughout history and look at all the wicked, evil rulers, those who have been kings or presidents or whatever, and, and have done some very evil things. If it is just, if, the, if this scripture means that God controls every high-ranking official in a country's government, then I'm confused. Because I see a whole lot of people that all they did was evil. All they did was harm people. And if God's controlling that, I'm, I just don't understand that. Someone said, but what about this scripture? Doesn't God control? Well, what does he control? The scripture said, the king's heart is in the hand of the Lord. The king's heart. It does seem to me that God does move on the hearts of kings, of leaders. But that doesn't necessarily mean that he controls their actions. We know, we can look in different places. King Saul, God moved on his heart. Gave him a chance to be a good king. How many know God changed his heart? But Saul eventually changed it back. And ended up being an evil king. Okay? So, will God move on the heart of our presidents and, and, and leaders and other leaders in the world today absolutely how does God move and, and, and turn hearts one of the ways he does it is through prayer when believers pray God moves but notice this we don't pray and then God forces their hand we don't pray and then God twists their arm and makes them act a certain way they still have a free will how does God work? He works in them just really like he works on all people. Like he does believers, he works in us to will and to do of his good pleasure. W would you agree that God has and is, present tense, working in your heart so that you will want to do the right thing and that you'll be able to? to do the right thing I know this that scripture's been true about me my entire life God has been working in me have I always done the right thing yeah. yes <laughs> thank you Lord <laughs> revelation is just flowing here isn't it 
enlightenment. <laughs> All right, I have to confess. <laughs> no, I haven't always done the right thing, even though God was moving me to do the right thing. I still did the wrong thing. This is not a guarantee that every, every leader of a nation is going to do right. But God does, it does uh, seem to indicate that God will move on their hearts and He'll direct their hearts in the right way when we pray. How many know the Holy Spirit? You ever read John 16? I think it's verse 7 where uh, the Spirit of God, He has come into the world. What, what's, his, what's one of His jobs? He, it says He will convict the world of sin, of righteousness, and of judgment. Convict means to convince. What's the Holy Spirit's job? He convinces people of truth. Can he do it? Yeah. He can convince people of truth. I don't know about you. I've, I've shared the gospel with people who, knew, who admitted to me they knew what I was sharing with them was right, but they still <clears throat> they wouldn't receive it. Wouldn't receive it. And they... You know, they knew that out of their own mouth. I know what you're saying is right, but. And they chose to go the other way. God's working on us. But how many know we have to, in, in our context now, we still have to work out our own salvation. He gives us the want to, and he gives us the ability to. But we must then step up to the plate and take that desire, take that ability that comes from him, and work it out. And let the salvation that's on the inside dominate our lives. Dominate our thoughts. Dominate everything that we do. Amen. You back in Philippians? Did you hold your finger? My fingers were busy. I had to let it go. But I'm quick. And always do what's right. <laughs> Jesus said, I always do those things that please him. So we say the same thing by faith, don't we? Amen. Say that about yourself, by the way. Don't say, oh, I can never make it through the whole day without sinning. Man, that's not right. That's not, what the, that, that, that's, that's not, that's not faith. You know, how, you know how some people, I don't know if you were raised this way or trained this way, but every day or every night at the end of the day, you ask the Lord to forgive your sins. Uh, there are some that every time they get around the dinner table, they pray for their food and, Lord, forgive us of our sins. Do you know what that's called? That's called building a sin consciousness. Okay. Our, how many know when we confess our sins, it's not, it's not uh, the same as confessing our sin? When someone receives the Lord, they confess their sin their sinful condition, their sin of rejecting the Savior. Their sin, they, are, they have sinned. They are a sinner. They're not going through uh, every one of their sins they've committed from birth until however old they are. How many know that's not possible? But a believer, do we confess sins, uh, plural, specifically? Yes. Yes. It's not that I, I just, you know, kind of build them up throughout the year and then at the end of the year Lord forgive my sins <laughs> that's not the way that you keep a soft heart that's not the way that you keep a tender conscience the way is you sin you confess that sin remember 1 John 1 9 you confess that sin I did 
such and such. We're making no excuse. We're, taking, we're not making any uh, excuse for what we've done. I did it, but I receive forgiveness. It keeps your heart soft. Amen. However, we're not just on a daily basis, Lord, forgive my sins. And you don't even know what you're talking about. You're not thinking of anything you did wrong. You're just believing about yourself that you're evil. Just believing that you probably messed up in a hundred ways that you can't even think of. That is not the way the Lord wants us to live. How many know we're supposed to be conscious of our right standing with God? If anything, thank you, Lord, for this food. And thank you that I'm saved, that I'm forgiven. I have right standing with you, that there's no sin that comes between us because of what you've done. Amen. Now, if you've got specifics, you know, do that before dinner. <laughs> get them out on your own. But then, re- but get that over with. I don't mean don't take it seriously. Take it seriously. Sin's a very evil thing. Take it seriously. But then get on with righteous living. Put the smile back on your face. Hold your head up high, shoulders back. You're walking with the Lord. Amen. Everything's okay. Everything's, oh good. Everything's good. Don't have to hang your head and feel like a sinner, feel like a l- lousy good for nothing. No, I feel like I'm clean. <laughs> feel like I just got out of the shower. Feel, feel, like a, uh, feel like a brand new man. Amen. Every single day, I'm just as new, just as saved, just as clean as the day I gave my heart to him. And saved and just as clean and just as new as a thousand years from now in the very presence of him. Same. Amen. That was all extra. Praise the Lord. Take it and stir yourself up with it. Philippians 2. I told you this was a short one tonight, right? I've been going 10 minutes now. Verse 14. Do all things without complaining and disputing. Do all things without complaining and disputing. Now notice the context. God is working in us to will and to do of His good pleasure. To will and to do. Do His pleasure. Do what the Lord likes Do what he delights in. Do what he wants in. The next verse, do all things without complaining and disputing. One of the things that the Lord is working in us to will and to do of is to not complain and dispute. He works in. This is one of the things that should set aside, set apart the believer's life. They don't gripe. They don't complain. They say, can't you just talk about like cussing or something? Fornication or something like that. Something, you know, that we can all say amen about. This is the word inspired to us. Why would he tell the Philippians, do everything without complaining and disputing? I think maybe they were tempted, or maybe even once in a while, did it. Why would we need this word recorded for us thousands of years later? Because every once in a while, every once every several years, (laughs) 
we find a Christian who complains. And just in case it's that time and it happens to be you, knock it off. Because God is working in you so you won't do that anymore. What, what does that mean? He wants to make us glad. He wants to make us thankful. And he's stirring us up to be full of gratitude, full of thanksgiving, and not complain, and not fuss about everything that's wrong. And how many know, if we were to sit around and talk about everything's, everything that's wrong, we could have quite a conversation. I bet everyone would be able to chip in. Hmm? Probably more so than if we went around and said, everybody quote three or four Bible verses. <laughs> We might have some stumbling, well, uh, uh, but if we said, what's wrong with our world today? What's wrong with our nation? I think everyone, I, I'm going to go first. <laughs> Let me tell you what happened to me. Let me and, but we'd be quick to be able to at least complain. But how many know the spirit inside of us would be saying, stop. Big red light would be on the inside of every believer saying, don't do that. Don't do that. Don't do that. It's not time to complain about everything that's wrong. It's time to be thankful. It's time to be grateful about everything that's right and everything that's good, everything that's lovely and just. Amen. Amen. And so this is one of the big things. Do everything without complaining and disputing. The, the word disputing, it can, it's talking about arguing, talking about quarreling. Uh, it's translated, the Greek word's translated, uh, it's translated doubting and doubtful in other places in the New Testament. He said, do everything without complaining and doubting. How many know faith and thanksgiving go hand in hand? But doubt and complaining are also best friends. Whenever we find ourselves complaining about how things are wrong, understand you're moving in the direction of unbelief and doubt, and it shuts off the very blessings of God from flowing in our lives. But whenever a person will be thankful and glad, faith is always thankful because it believes that things are changing if they're not good. If something's not good in your life, but you believe that it's changing, here you go. Smile gets put on your face. Gladness fills your heart. And that's what we need to maintain. Look at verse 15. He says that you may become blameless. Become blameless? Aren't we already blameless as children of God? Obviously, he's not talking about spiritually, is he? He's talking about our actions. You may become blameless and harmless children of God without fault in the midst of a crooked and perverse generation among whom you shine as lights in the world. So he's talking about our witness, isn't he? Talking about our, uh, when we don't, well, say, say it the other way, when we complain and dispute and argue and quarrel and fuss and all this kind of stuff and all that stuff's going on what are we doing to the world well we're not letting our light shine we're giving a bad testimony of what the lord is really like he did amazing work in you he put the very life of himself in you washed away every sin gave you hope for tomorrow strength to live did so much for us and then what comes out is complaining and arguments and strife and this kind of stuff. He's saying, that's not really what I've got in mind here. 
I'm working in you to will and to do of my good pleasure. And that's one of the things that I'm really displeased about. That's one of the things I really dislike. When I've done so much, I've given you so much, and yet you turn your minds away from that and focus on things that aren't right. Focus on things that you don't have, things that you don't know, things that you can't do, and ends up stirring up complaining inside of us. He goes on to say in verse 16, Holding fast the word of life, so that I may rejoice in the day of Christ, as I have not run in vain or labored in vain. Now Paul's here writing, talking about that great day, the day of Christ, the day of reward. He said, when I see you there, I want to know that all my efforts, all the stuff that I put into you, that I haven't done it in vain. Well, what's that connected to? It's connected to God working in them to will and to do of His good pleasure. It's connected to doing all things without displaying and complaining and disputing. It's connected to being harmless and blameless children of God without fault in the midst of a crooked world. I tell you what, the world needs us to be without fault. The world needs you to live right and to yield to that, that prompting, that draw of the Spirit on the inside of your life. That's what the world word needs. I want you to notice this phrase, though, holding fast the word of life. That's what we're supposed to do. Hold, he said, do all this. Live your life this way, holding fast the word of life. How many know no one has ever gotten saved simply because a Christian lived holy? Your life of gratitude, refusing to get involved with you know bad attitudes and motives and all that kind of stuff what that does is gets people's attention it gets their you you'll catch their eye when everyone around is you know stinking up a fuss and fussing up a stink and everything but not you you refuse to participate you refuse to sink to that level that gets people's attention i don't know how many testimonies i've heard of people who got saved because they saw, they watched someone else. Remember, a, a, a father and a son came to me years ago uh, to counsel about something. Don't even remember the the subject matter, but I just remember this: the the dad had gotten saved, and his life was so dramatically different. His son was sitting there, and his son wasn't saved because. Uh, he just he hadn't received the Lord yet, and uh, but he was sitting there and he told was telling me how different his dad was. It was so cool for the dad to take the lead. <laughs> dad gave his life to the Lord and totally changed his life and behavior, how he treated his son, how how everything happened. And his son, it was son was a uh, at least an older teenager, maybe young twenties, probably older teenager at the time, but he was just. Yeah, his life's totally different. And I knew. Because the guy, didn't, he didn't get saved even that day. The son. But I knew. It's only a matter of time. Because he knows this is real. He sees the change, sees the difference in his dad. And that's the, what the world needs to see in us. However, a person is not going to get saved just because they see a change and they see a difference in you. That'll get their attention. 
That'll help them to know what do they need? The word of life. In other words, it's a combination here of us doing right, living right, having the right attitude, and then speaking the word. Someone said, I'm just living my life in front of people. Great. We got too many people who don't, so way to go. But let me encourage you to add one more thing. Put the word in your mouth and actually share the word of life with another person. And it's that combination of a person who is blameless, faultless in the midst of a perverse generation. They live it and they speak it. Those two things give great power to the gospel. A changed life and an explanation of it. We live it and we tell about it. Show and tell. Ever had any of that? Amen. Not just show, not just tell. Show and tell. Amen. And so we need to be righteous, living in, to be a light in a dark place. And thank you, Lord. That's what God's doing in us now. Amen. Amen. Father, in the name of Jesus, thank you so much. Thank you for every person here. Lord, for helping us to see and recognize and fully understand how that you work in us and that what we do is not of ourselves and the righteous life that we live is not of ourselves and the things that we are to do is not just dependent upon our own ability but Lord I believe you're working in us now 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 you cause us to want the right thing and Lord you enable us to do the right thing and we're going to let that work in us now so it changes our attitudes and our thoughts changes the way we think oh thank you Lord thank you Lord we choose and purpose in our hearts to be glad to be thankful to not be complain, complainers. Lord, and thank you for using this life that we live, a life of faultlessness, to be a light, to be an example, to be a sign on the road that some are traveling so that they see us and notice a change and notice something different. So when we speak, they've got a living illustration. They've got a living example and a witness and a testimony of what we're talking about. Well, thank you for using us and letting our light shine bright in this world, in this day, in this time. We give you all the praise, all the glory, all the honor. Thank you for working in us now. Jesus' name.